0: We worship you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. This morning, we have uh, elected as a church to honor those who deserve to be honored. Amen. And this morning, we've got clergy appreciation. We want to say a big thank you to Bishop Jason Quinones. And his beautiful wife, Elaine Quinones, and all the leaders that are around him—a big thank you for what they do. Amen. And if you appreciate, if you appreciate what they've done, if you appreciate what they've done for you and for your family, what they've done for the for the body of Christ, I ask that you give them a really good applause. And that if it's not too much, that you stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Amen. honor you this morning. Hallelujah. What we're doing this morning is scriptural. The Bible says to honor those who, who deserve an honor. Amen? Amen? And Bishop is a man who, who has been uh, going after God for many, many years, who has proven his worth behind the pulpit as a friend, as a mentor, and most importantly, as a man of God. Amen. And so we honor you this morning. We pray that God continue to strengthen you and God continue to bless you and that God continue to give you a fresh and and relevant word for the church that so desperately needs it amen and this morning God has graced me to bring the word of God but before I do that I want to bring up a young man who who is gonna is gonna bless all of us with a spoken word and I hope to God that that he doesn't show me out but you know (laughs) I'll I'll do my best to to keep it up to keep it up okay let's have uh, Pastor Jamie come up here Glory to God.
1: All right. I think we're good. Um, oh, I guess I'll preset it. Uh, Mr. Frank came to me probably a couple, couple weeks ago, asked me to pray this spoken word. Uh, and I know all through school I was a procrastinator, and it kind of continued now. Um, so I finished up at about 12 o'clock last night, memorized it between now and then. So just bear with me if something happens, all right? Nearly 50% of children wake up in broken homes. That means too many kids are waking up alone. The suicide rate surges to a 30-year high in 2016. That means too many people choose to die before they're 20 or 16. School systems are teaching for the better letter grade than teaching the grow teens in maturity. I don't think we quite understand the definition of purity. I don't think we understand the definitions of purity. See, they're going for that degree, but I don't think they understand what that degree means. They grew up too naive. See, the system is broken. See, politicians are voting by their party, not voting by their morals. They're stuck in their traditions. They hardly live by their convictions. And they pass laws that tolerate everyone but the Christians, and then they wonder why America ain't great again. When would they choose to listen? See, I'm not prophetic, but it's pathetic how they want to take God out and forget it. Then realize the candidates that we get in are the furthest thing from the help that we need. See, the system is broken. See, I'm done talking about broken things. See, let me talk about the unified church. Wait, am I seeing the same thing? See, we are one body put in the head first, but I don't think we understand what brokenness in the church means. See, when you... Look up how many denominations there are in Christianity. The word thousand pops up too casually. And I understand there's a difference between denominations and organizations, so it's hard to judge it accurately, but it seems like all like facts to me. Just look how many different churches you see when you walk down your street. At least in Oviedo. (laughs) Jesus desires for us to be one in order for this world to be one. We need to be done and become one for when he comes. See, Jesus didn't come for us to be divided, but he came so we can be united. So rather than arguing by different doctrines, we need to look in the word to find it. See, I'm passionate about Jesus. I'm passionate about people who put Jesus first. See, it's Jesus till we die. With some of these issues that we fight about, we need to decide. We'll just find out when we die. So whether whether we're reformed or charismatic, Baptist or maybe Catholic, if we're not putting Jesus first, then really we can't have it churches are too busy building their four-walled kingdoms and mega church facilities and God's looking down saying like you you silly things you understand what this all means see the system is broken I'm saying this for y'all to know that the need is dire that when we see the brokenness of the city we need to be like Nehemiah see when he saw the flaws in the walls burned with fire he wanted to rebuild them all and ask if it was God's call man we need to have that desire How many people see something broken and have a desire to fix it? Or we just look at its appearance to be like, ah, that's beyond my limit. Is this world too fallen beyond our repair? But are we even looking to realize that it's there? Do we even care? See, it's time to rebuild, it's time to push past how we feel it's time for the church to be the church it's time to get real it's time for school systems not to teach for the better grade it's time for governments to pass laws to get us to a better state it's time for racism prejudices to end It's stop all the hate and love to demonstrate it's time for marriages to be restored and regain the passion from the first date it's time for us to love our neighbors so we can influence the suicide rate it's time to love our god with all of our heart mind soul and strength it's time for the walls that have been fallen on our society's issues to be rebuilt and fixed on a foundation that is true. See, Jesus is our cornerstone, the rock and rich rebuild. This world's a bunch of broken mess on broken nests. on the sandy foundation is about to tilt. You can only build so much on lies, corruption and filth before it all comes tumbling down because the bad foundation that was built. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. And the rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. But the foolish man built his house upon the sand The foolish man built his house upon the sand The foolish man built his house upon the sand And the rains came tumbling down And the rains came down And the floods came up The rains came down And the floods came up The rains came down And the floods came up And the the house on the sand went splat. (coughs) See, when the storms come and the rains come down, as Christians, we need to put the rains now, down and trust in the one who reigns now. Amen. But can you feel the rain now? Physically, it may be sunny and bright, but spiritually, it's muggy and night. Can we see all the pain, the hurt, and the strife? Can we see the flames now? Sin is like a circus. We're being entertained by the games and the clowns. Can we see any change now? Can we change our focus and be like Nehemiah? But are we content seeing the brokenness of our cities and people sent down to the lake of fire? Are we burdened and and mourning over our city streets and asking God if he can fix it? Or are we putting all these boulders on our church leader's shoulders thinking that they have no limits? We want to see our schools be safer, our homes be restored, government officials, government officials fear God and not man and call on the Lord. Do we feel the need to fill the need of the brokenness of our city streets? It doesn't start with the next president. It starts with me.
0: Thank you) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's official. I should have really, re- really rethought where I positioned him in the program. Hallelujah. Bless God. Amen. He did a great job. Give him another round of applause. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to share with you a portion of scripture, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, please, in honor of his word. And you're going to forgive me that I've got a few scriptures to share, but I think it's really important for us to lay the foundation tonight or this morning. And there will be a few other scriptures that we're going to go through through the message, but these are the ones that we're going to focus on this morning. Nehemiah chapter 2, and if you don't have uh, a program, I guess the ushers can pass them out if if need be, or if you do have them, praise God. we are going to go with me through the introduction. So Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 8, then Verse 13. Then we're going to run to chapter 4, and I'll give you instructions after that. So Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 says, In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King Atherzaxes, that that wine was before him, and I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad? since you are not sick is it nothing but sorrow this is nothing but sorrow of heart so i became dreadfully afraid and said to the king may the king live forever why should my face not be sad when the city the place of my father's tombs lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire then the king said to me what do you request so i prayed to god of heaven And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I sent him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. And verse 13 says, and I went out by night through the valley gate of the serpent well and the refuse gate and reviewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates were burned down with fire. Go with me to chapter four, verses one and two. And 17. But it so happened that when Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and was very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he said before the brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubble, stones that are burned? verse 17 says, Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens, loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand a weapon. God bless his word. Dear God, we come before you to thank you for your word. We ask you Holy Spirit that you be in our midst this morning, dear God, that you may the Lord speak to our hearts into our minds deep into our into our spirits lord god that we may put into practice all that you are to speak to us this morning lord god i ask you dear lord that you may strengthen me to speak all that you have put in my heart to share with these people dear lord i ask you not to move me aside but to use me as a vessel to speak into your people lord god and i ask that your name be blessed in all things in jesus name we pray amen before you get too comfortable tell your brother or your sister on your side it's time to rebuild Oh no, we went. We went through this at camp. No, I'm. I'm, I'm saying saying it like you mean it. It's time to rebuild. It's time to rebuild. Say it with an attitude, like somebody just stepped on your corn. It's time, to it's time to rebuild. There you go. I got her to laugh. I'm done. Amen. Hallelujah. It's time to rebuild. Now, my, my goal this morning is not to bore you or to, or to exhaust you with a ton of, of words or phrases. My, 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 my goal this morning is to bring free focus to the church of Jesus Christ. My goal is to bring a word of revelation that will alert the church of Jesus Christ to realize how severe and how bad of a time we are living. Amen? We're, it is a time that, that we're living with controversy. We're living with issues that are plaguing the church, and we're wondering where we go from here. We're trying to reinvent ourselves when the reality should be that we should be rebuilding what Christ and his apostles established in the, in, in the second book of, 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 of Acts. Amen? And so I want to talk to you about the walls. And now I, I apologize once again. You know, when you're typing and when you're writing on hand, you think that, that it's just a few little paragraphs. Then you realize I was going to print out an entire page for my introduction for you guys, and there's nowhere for you to make notes. So I'm sorry. I'll chalk that one up to inexperience. Bishop has has that one down to a science. Hallelujah. Next time I'll get it down right. But I want to talk about the walls. Amen. I want to talk about what walls mean. What do they signify? The walls of a city, if, if you're going to read along with me, it says, the walls of a city represent many things. But today I will only name a few. Strength depends on how tall and how wide these walls were. This will determine if they were easily scaled and brought down by the enemy. The walls of a city are what would be remembered by the enemies after the battle to take the city. In many cases, the walls themselves fought the battle for the army. It would alter the army's plan of attack. It would alter their, their method to come after the city. Now, hallelujah. I don't know if you guys have seen the, the movie Troy. It's actually, it's actually history. So you should have read it and actually seen the movie. But the, 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 the story says that the walls of Troy actually fought the battle for these people. And it wasn't until these people were caught in a moment of, of, uh, of despair or of weakness that they were able to get, they were able to get uh, infiltrated by the enemy because of a moment of indiscretion. Walls have a true purpose in our lives, in the, in the lives, or in, or in, in, in the history of our, of, our, of our people. The next thing that walls represent are ingenuity. It can say a whole lot about a builder. They must be carefully laid out and designed in order to stand the test of war, time, and natural elements. If the walls had no incline or decline, they stood the chance of crumbling as, as the earth beneath shifted. As if, as, as if it had lo- loose grouts, it stood the chance of water, rot, and infiltration. A wall is only as strong as, as its weakest point. It doesn't matter how large or how wide the wall may be. If the enemy knows how to search out its vulnerabilities, the city will be in danger of capture. What areas in your life are being exposed this morning to vulnerabilities? Finally, the next meaning of a wall is wealth. Many cities as as of our past were protected by stone walls that were imported from lands afar. Many cities in the past were situated in a desert-like surrounding meaning that they didn't have many rocks, many stones of large size. So they had to have rocks and stones imported and brought into their areas. And if the city wasn't well off, then they would use whatever, whatever materials they had in their, in, their, in their surroundings. And the problem with that is that many of the people in their surroundings also knew what the materials were and they knew how to manage them and they knew how to overtake them. And they would easily be prey and taken over by the stronger civilization nearby. And over the last two years, we've been hearing a whole lot in the political sector about walls. How walls have to be built, they have to be high, they have to be strong, they're gonna be great, they're gonna make us safe. Walls, hallelujah, that are gonna make us a nation that is gonna be completely separated from from our northern and our southern uh, uh, friends. But are we really? Are we really safe? Are we really safe, or do we have enemy, enemies within our walls already? And as the church of Jesus Christ, I ask you this morning, what are we doing with the enemies within? The church of Jesus Christ has been so quick to get rid of all the old, to get rid of all the things that we stood for, for doctrine and for all these things that we, that we used to stand for, and nowadays we're so good about having no walls at all. And yet today we have absolutely nothing to identify ourselves with. Today we have absolutely nothing to stand on. We have nothing to protect us from the attacks of the enemy because our walls have come crumbling down. We've allowed the enemy to come in whispering in our ears. We've allowed the enemy to come and change our ideologies, to change our biblical precepts, to change, hallelujah, all that our forefathers fought for. And yet here we stand, wondering where do we go from here. Wondering what do we do. Yet wondering, hallelujah, where do we go to find the presence of God like we used to in days of old. I tell you, it's time to rebuild these walls. It's time to rebuild these walls. I'm not looking for for us to separate ourselves from the world and be completely irrelevant. I'm talking about walls from a spiritual standpoint. It's time to rebuild. Throughout history, the church has been in battles to remain free, the last paragraph says. We have been under attack by the enemy from all sides. He has been trying to destroy us from within. Never in the history of the church have we seen so much infighting. Have we seen so much heresy? Have we seen so much, hallelujah, false prophecies? Have we seen so many falls from grace? We've seen so many lies being propagated from the pulpit. Those of us who are fighting our way to try and get to heaven are wondering what's true and what isn't. If we simply got into the word of God, we would know what's true and what isn't. If we simply, if we simply depended on the word of, the, of, of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to minister to our lives and to, and to testify to our hearts, we would know who is who and what is what. But the church is sleeping so, so idly by that we don't know if we're living with a friend or sleeping with an enemy. And it pains my heart to say that. It pains my heart to say it because we are no longer even a small mackerel of what the church of Christ used to be. I remember a time when the church of Jesus Christ used to be a church that was, that was revered and respected among society. I remember a church that used to be sought for, for counsel and for guidance in government. I remember a church that used to be anointed beyond words. Yet we are laying in ruins and in heaps of rubble, trying to find our way back. And I thank God that 13 years ago, the Lord spoke to a man named Bishop Jason Quiñones who is our Nehemiah, hallelujah, to go back and turn the tide of time. I thank God that we've got a man who saw, hallelujah, just like Nehemiah saw. Saw the heaps of rubble, how destroyed our cities were, how destroyed our churches were, and he said, it's time to rebuild. It's time to rebuild. Church of Jesus Christ, I tell you this morning, hallelujah, this is not something that just Bishop can do. It's not something that him and his pastoral group can do. We all have to join hands with our pastors. We all have to join hands with our leadership to come after God and say, it's time to rebuild. I don't know. I don't know. I have sought God and I have prayed to God, asking, where is the vision? Where is the vision that the church so desperately needs? I remember when I was growing up, that wasn't too long ago. <laughs> it wasn't too long ago. I remember our pastors used to give us words of, of wisdom and say, you know what? This, this, that, and the other. And by golly, within days or weeks or even months, it would come to pass. Because men and women back in those days used to spend their lives on their knees pursuing God. Seeking God's presence, seeking his guidance, seeking, hallelujah, his direction. Churches today are all about filling the pews and the pastors today and not ours. God bless God. But pastors in general have changed their perspective. They're worried about making you comfortable, making you feel good, telling you what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. And I thank God that Bishop has never, has never leveraged the word of God for for comfort or for or for butts and chairs. Sorry for what I just said. But I'm frank twice. It's time to rebuild, church. It's time to get back to basics. It's time to get back to basics, amen? And it's time to find God where he's always been. He's never moved. He's never moved. We've moved away from God. And when you move away from God, you run into the risk of what? Of losing focus and losing everything that you once had. So this morning, I want to share a couple of things with you. And I'm going to to ask for your patience. But I'll tell you this. What we're going through today isn't anything new for the church of Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Bible, the Bible tells us that the, that the enemy's attack started even then. Just as soon as the church was born, the enemy started to attack the church. See, because the enemy knows the purpose of the church, the enemy knows your purpose. In fact, during during men's camp, I said this, and I'm going to say it again. The day that the Lord was writing your history, your plan, your destiny for your life, the enemy was right there writing the antithesis for your life. And as a result, the enemy always seems to be one step ahead of you. But if you, hallelujah, ground yourself, if you ground yourself in God and depend solely on his power to move in your favor, I can guarantee it doesn't matter where Satan is, you're going to have the victory. You see, it was perceived for Nehemiah that there was nothing he could do. The story tells us, hallelujah, that this man had absolutely nothing to do with the old, with the old uh, uh, people of Jerusalem. In fact, he was born in captivity. But the story tells us that this man wept by the, and, and, and because of the condition of, of Israel and, and of Jerusalem. He wept. How many of you feel any travailing or hurt in your heart for where the church is today? Or are you just content with where we are? Are you content with simply living your life the way you've lived it, receiving three songs and and, and a, and a powerful word on Sunday and by Monday afternoon you're as empty as empty can be? Are you content with that or do you want more? If you want more, then it's time to rebuild. Glory be to God. There are three reasons why the church... Or why we must rebuild. Not these. And these are not the points that I want to make today. But I want to, I want to emphasize on these three points. First point, And the reason why we have to rebuild. Is there's been a diluting of doctrine in church. The doctrines of scripture have been completely diluted. The doctrine of salvation. And I'm just going to name a few. The doctrine of holy holiness. Did I just say that? I said holiness. The doctrine of holiness has been completely erased from the vocabulary in church. The doctrine of redemption, just to name a few, have been replaced with ideologies of man. Have been replaced, hallelujah, with man's perception of what God is. Have been replaced with what God or what man thinks God wants to tell the church there is nothing else and nothing outside of the Word of God that God wants His people to hear. If we simply go back to the Word of God and go back to the basics and depend solely on the Holy Spirit to minister to our lives, I can guarantee you we will be living vibrant lives. Our churches will be growing. The presence of God will be flowing. People will be renewed in the Spirit. And you will be soaring like eagles. But yet, yeah, we're comfortable listening to whatever, it, whatever our ears need to hear. See, the, Paul, the, the apostle Paul knew this, and he warned Timothy about this. He told Timothy in chapter, if I'm not mistaken, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. In fact, I'm going to read it for you guys, because it's important you guys hear this. Chapter 4, verse 2, and it says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, will heap upon themselves teachers. Hmm. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and will be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Now, you're Timothy, you're Timothy, you're Timothy. In fact, we're all Timothys. We have all been called to fulfill our purpose and our destiny in Jesus Christ. We have all been called to protect and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are no longer going to stand idly by while the enemy comes running rapshot in our churches, in our lives, in our, in our families. It's time to stand and say we're going to rebuild. You see, walls protect us walls keep us encapsulated walls keep us away from the elements walls keep us from our enemies and when we've got no walls we're completely uh, uh, vulnerable and make ourselves weak before the enemy now I tell you this morning will you stand will you stand for scriptural truth will you stand against the tide of the enemy Will you stand? Hallelujah when the when the world is telling you you can't, when your friends are telling you you're ridiculous, when your family is telling you you're done, you're washed up, you've got nothing else to give. Will you stand? And lock arms with your bishop and your pastor and say, "We will rebuild." Doctrinal delusion. We've lost our evangelistic passion. church of Jesus Christ when it was first formed Bible says that they went out two by two when he sent them out in Matthew chapter 28 what does the word say they all went out to make disciples nowadays it's Pastor Chad in our church Ricky and a few others in other churches it's just on Skype they're evangelizing through Facebook because we're all great preachers on Facebook we can quote some scripture on Facebook, let me tell you. On Facebook, we even start to stutter like T.D. Jakes. Hallelujah. When it comes to actually meeting someone in their place of need, when it comes to a place where God is forcing us out of our comfort zone into a place of total surrender, are we really as passionate from an evangelistical standpoint? Are we truly reaching the, the, the needy? You know, it's a sad state our country lives in. We live in one of the richest countries in the world, and yet it's one of the most unchurched countries in the, in the face of the earth. Yet in this city alone, in this state alone, there are over 28,000 churches. And if you walk down your block, I can guarantee you there's somebody that has never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet we stand here today singing all these glorious songs, filling ourselves up, hallelujah, when there are people who are living on empty next next door to our homes, living on empty in our cities, living on empty in our states, people dying in these hurricanes, people dying in these storms, people dying because of wars, and we are keeping our mouth shut. It's time to rebuild, church. It's time to get back to basics. It's time to get back to what Christ called us to do. Loss of evangelistical passion. We can't live on glory's past. I'm sick and tired of hearing how dad did it. I'm sick and tired of of talking about how I used to feel. How I used to do this, how I used to do that, how the power of God used to flow here, how the power of God used to transform. I want that now. If you don't feel that passion and that fire in your heart for the power of the Holy Spirit to move in and through your life, there is something wrong with you. There is something broken within you. If you are in a state of complacency, if you are in a state of conformancy, you've got to shake yourself loose. God has called us to be his warriors here on earth. God has called us to a place of authority. He has given us the power of his Holy Spirit. We need nothing else. But we've got to to put ourselves in complete surrenderance to him so that he can do all that he has to do. You see, because what happens is we want, we want God to use us, but only on our terms. We want God to speak through us, but after we're done saying our peace. We want God to minister in and through our lives, but when it's good and when we are good and ready. Let me tell you something. It's give it all or nothing at all. You see, Nehemiah had nothing to offer. Nehemiah was just a cupbearer. Cupbearer. In, in, in simple terms, the guy who gets poisoned before the king does. That's all he was. Can I have this water? Yes. Thanks. Wow. <coughs> Excuse me. He was a cupbearer. <coughs> the Bible says that And we're going to go through that in a few minutes. The Bible says that Nehemiah felt a consternation in his heart. He felt felt moved in his heart when he saw the condition of his nation a nation he had never lived in, a nation he had never even breathed the air in. He was in captivity. Yet he felt something in his heart. There was something different between Nehemiah and you this morning. You are part of the church of Jesus Christ. You have seen the decline of the church throughout the years. You have seen the church from what it was to what it is today. You've got to leg up on Nehemiah. All you've got to do is just literally shake yourself loose. Hallelujah. Pull the scales that the enemy has pulled over your eyes to see that there is still hope. We may be down, but we're not, we're not, we're not out. Our walls may have been tumbled down, but they're not destroyed. You see, the enemy made a mistake with, with the walls of, 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 of Jerusalem. He tumbled them down, and he burned the gates with fire. But the gates weren't destroyed. The stones weren't beyond repair. See, the enemy always thinks that he's got, he's got a leg up on you. But I'm here to tell you, God, has always, God will always have the last word on your life. He may have pushed you to the brink of extinction. He may have broken you to the point where you think you're beyond repair. He may have taken you down to your knees, but that is exactly what God needs and wants you so he can use you. We need to be brave. See, the book of Matthew says that, that, that the kingdom of, of heaven suffers violence and only, only the what? I didn't hear that. I know, and in Spanish, solo los valientes lo arrebatan. That's it. Thank you, Bishop. We've got to be violent. See, the enemy comes and he attacks us with all that he's got, and we're trying to treat him as soft and as easy as we possibly can because, oh, well, we know he's got more power. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We've got the power of the Most High, and we're endued with that power. Hallelujah. And we've got to stand our ground every single day, and we've got to tell the the devil and his cronies, you've got no place in this place. You've got no place in this place. Hallelujah. You may have won the battle, but I will win the war through Jesus Christ. You've got to be violent. I can guarantee you, George, if one one of your children were being attacked, you'd be... Boy, let me tell you. George looks docile, meek, and quiet, but come after Jacob and you'll see how the grizzly bear comes out. Amen? I'm the same way. I'm, my wife is as lovely as can be, but you get, you get in between her and her, her, her kids, it's all like Donkey Kong. That is the attitude we're looking for. That is the attitude that God is looking for in his people this morning. He is looking for people who are willing to be violent, who are willing to go after, hallelujah, the holiness, go after, hallelujah, the sanctity of, of the church with reckless abandonment. Violent. Hallelujah. Bless God. Third point. Hallelujah is our failure to be relevant. Our church is dying because we fail to be relevant, and I'm going I'm I'm to qualify that statement. Many times, the Church of Jesus Christ has gone to the extreme of being relevant, and they've become so relevant that they've become irrelevant while being a church. We've made everyone comfortable. We've created coffee bars. We've created internet cafes. We've created lounges for you to sit down. We've created this and we've created that. However, there is nothing to usher the presence of God. All we've done is, is feed man, feed your fleshly desires, make you feel comfortable. But we need you to be uncomfortable in the presence of God. We wonder why God doesn't move. Why God doesn't transform the political spectrum. Why God doesn't raise up godly people to lead our our country and our cities and our churches. We wonder why God doesn't do it. It's because we're not doing. We're busy posting on Facebook while Bishop is preaching. We're busy, hallelujah, on Instagram. We're busy on Skype. We're busy on on so many other things that captivate our minds. What is actually being poured into your hearts by what Bishop is saying? See, this man and many other men, Hallelujah, spent countless hours before the presence of God to have a word that's relevant for you and for me. And you're completely devaluing that work when you are sitting down in your pew, and I mean in general, not faith dome. Sitting down in your pew, completely disregarding what this man has God has poured into his heart. It's time. It's time to be relevant again. It's time to, to forget the lights, to forget the glitch, to forget the smoke, to forget this and to forget the, 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 the $10,000 $10, instruments. It's time to just get back to worship. It's time to just get back to the essence and the heart of worship, to get back to a place where God is speaking through us in the most simple of ways. Yet We think that we can channel God through, through a synthesized sound or through smoke coming out or even if we paint our walls black. Maybe if we turn off the lights God will come come in. Maybe if we turn off the lights and maybe if bishop uses a more sinister voice, maybe then will God speak to us. All he wants you to is just to be still in his presence. Be still in his presence and let him speak through your life. And transform you because you are the igniter Holly, that we need to ignite everybody else that is weak in the, in, in, in the faith. God has called us, church, not to just sit idly by while others are trying to rebuild and failing. He is calling us all to join hands and to come together and collectively rebuild the church from the heaps in which it finds itself. Only then will we truly experience revival in the church of Jesus Christ. I long for revival. I long for revival. I'll say it a third time. I long for revival. And so should you. But the truth is that the church is suffering. And is floundering and is wailing. Hallelujah. Losing its power. Losing its authority. And it's to such a point that even in in, in Scripture it says, When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? Such apathy. Such complacency. We are totally good with, going, with coming to church Sunday mornings and receiving our due and then going back. And like I said, by Monday afternoon, we don't even remember what the three points were of the sermon. God is calling us to a place of complete surrender. God is calling us to a place of complete brokenness. Of complete brokenness. Of complete brokenness in his presence. Because it is in that place of brokenness where God does his best work. It is in that place of brokenness where God does magic. Mm. Hallelujah. The three points I want to make tonight, this morning, before, before we wrap up, are pretty simple. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Point one. Before breakthrough can occur in the natural realm, complete surrender must occur so that victory can be obtained in the realm of the Spirit. And while we didn't read that, in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1 verses one the 3 through 11, the, the scripture says that Nehemiah, hallelujah, saw the condition of Jerusalem. Saw the condition of Jerusalem and he wept before God. The Bible says that he, he was broken and contrite before God in his presence, wondering how long will his city continue to be in ruin. And so in order for you to see an effective uh, a reflection of what God wants you to do in your life, you've got to come to a place of surrenderance and brokenness before his presence, on your knees, seeking God's presence and seeking God's guidance. In order for you to see breakthrough in the spiritual realm, there's got to be complete surrenderance in the flesh. Point number two I want to make. When you're in a, in a state, in a place of complete dependence on God, he will use the unexpected to bless you and further your heavenly purpose. It is in that place where you completely depend on him, where God does the greatest of works in your life. See, Nehemiah had nothing to offer. He was just a cupbearer. A young man with no skill at war, no skill at building, no skill at organizing, no skill at absolutely anything but pouring the wine, tasting it, and if he doesn't croak, give it to the king. That's all this man had. And many of you, many of us are looking for excuses as to why we can't do this and why we can't do that. Why we are completely useless, why we've got no purpose. I'm sorry to tell you this morning, but you've got purpose. You've got purposes, and it doesn't matter how much you can sing or how bad you can sing or whether you can play an instrument or not. There is a purpose for you in the body of Jesus Christ. There is something you can do to further God's kingdom here on earth. And you just simply have to believe deep enough so that God can do the work that he's got to do in your life. But you've got to depend on him. You've got to believe that he can and will do all that he's called you to do. But we've listened to the enemy long enough. We've listened to the enemy whispering in our ears saying, you're done. You're washed up. You have messed up so many times. You're useless. You're broken. You've got nothing else to give. But I'm here to tell you this morning, while you've got air in your lungs and you've got life in your body, there is still time and there is still a purpose for you to fulfill in your life. There is still more that you can give. But you've got to believe it more than you believe the word of the enemy. You see, we've got society telling us all day long that we're done. We've got people telling us the church is no longer relevant. The church has no purpose. We have, we have an, a, a, a new thing. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, they're wrong. And I want the church of Jesus Christ to rise up today more than ever to prove the naysayers wrong. Amen. I want to see the homes of these people in the church, in, in Faith Dome and in, in the church in global. I want to see them thriving and being blessed by God like never before. I want to see an uprising of youth seeking God with reckless abandonment. I want to see people, young, old, and middle aged seeking God and, and seeing miracles being performed like we used to. Hallelujah. It's time to see it, but we've got to rebuild it. We've got to be. We've got to rebuild our belief system. I was telling Tracy and George during camp we were sharing some time together, and I was telling about a story about a brother of mine who, who uh, happened to be a pastor in Kenya. He was going to a Christian college with me, and his his name is Pastor John Capin, man of God. And I remember him praying with such authority and praying with such. Belief. Imagine that. It's not a novel idea. Praying with belief that God was going to do something. I remember one time during our break at, at, at school, I said, John, let me let me ask you a question. What's so different in Kenya? He says, Frank, real simple. He says, in Kenya we walk six miles barefoot each way to get to church six times a week. He says, we've got no television, we've got no radio, we've got no social media, we've got absolutely nothing that can fog our minds. All we have is our faith and our trust in God. And he says, the other thing is, we believe that God will show up even in our midst of our brokenness. And I remember him telling me, "Frank," he says, I remember seeing... People walking with dead bodies six miles and those dead bodies walking back with their stretchers back home. He said, I remember seeing people walking over to the to the camp meeting with no teeth in their mouths and walking with a new set of teeth back home. And I wonder, and I told him, how? He says, we just simply believe. We simply believe, and the church in the United States has become a complacent church that doesn't believe that God still can do these things. See, the word says that God hasn't changed, will not change, nor will change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And for you to say that God no longer heals, that God no longer transforms, that God no longer ministers to your needs, you are completely devaluing the work of the cross. You are completely saying that God is not immutable. You are completely saying that God can change. And I'm here to tell you God doesn't change because if God's changing, the word of God is a lie. He still transforms. He still renews the brokenhearted. He still gives strength to the weak. He still heals, amen. He still liberates, Amen. He still breaks chains of the captives. He sets you free if you believe. But we've got to come to that point of believing God will show up when we need him to. And see, Nehemiah did exactly that. Nehemiah knew he couldn't do it on his own, so he went on his knees. And boy, does that hurt us us to do it. But it's time for us to get back to that place where we truly believe that God has called us for a purpose and that God will see us through even in midst of the, of the biggest trial or tribulation, in midst of how big or insurmountable the situation may be, God will do what he has called you to do if you simply believe and you simply pick up the tools that he has given you to carry out. But yet we want to argue and we want to kick and scream and we want to question God and we, and we want to tell God, are you sure about this? Do you think that I really can Reminds me of Moses, when God chose him to lead his people free. And he says, God, who am I? He says, I'm a man of of few words, stuttering, and all kinds of jazz, looking for an excuse. See, but God is always one step ahead of you. Because God says, okay, that's fine. You can't speak. I'm going to send Aaron to be your mouthpiece. Many of you are questioning God, asking him, what can you possibly use me for? What purpose can I truly have? All I'm asking you this morning is believe. Believe and do your part in rebuilding the church of Jesus Christ to being the church that God has called us to be. Being the church that God has called us to be. I suffer, hallelujah, along the other ministers as a condition of the church. I travail in prayer. Hallelujah, that's a word that we don't even hear in the church of Jesus Christ anymore. Nobody even knows what travailing is. Nobody even knows what it is to be in his presence and weeping to the point where your insides hurt. And we ask ourselves, why revival tarries? It's because we've lost the basic tenets of what seeking God really is. This man knew exactly what he was looking for. He said, I know what I want. I know how I'm going to get it. And it starts with me being on my knees seeking God's face. So the big idea, if I'm going to steal Bishop's ideas here, or Bishop's, uh, I guess, whatever, It's pretty simple. In the face of adversity and perceived ruin, God will show up and show out. I'm going to repeat that. In the face of adversity and perceived ruin, God will show up and will show out. You see, in, verse, in, verse chap, in, in chapter 4, verse 20, I'm going to read that to you one more time, and I'm going to wrap up here shortly. Hallelujah. doesn't bother me if you worship. Hallelujah. 4 verse 20, it says, Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there, our God will fight for us. You see, the operative word is will. Not might. Not will occasionally. Will is a continual state. God is never, hallelujah, is never going to leave you abandoned. He's never going to leave you in a place of despair when you have come to him in complete surrenderance. God is a faithful God. Hallelujah. And God, hallelujah, was there to show up for, for, for Nehemiah and for those who he had on his side. You see, what happened was Nehemiah went on his own. And he went to start to build these walls. And when he surveyed them, what he started to feel immediately started to, 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 to get transmitted from one person to the other. Almost as if it were an illness. Hallelujah. But a spiritual one. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that these men all started to get energized. It's, they started to get con, 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 uh, contagious. Was, con, contagious. That's what happens when you're, when you're bilingual. You think in Spanish and you're trying to speak in English and then you hit a roadblock and you can't say anything. It is the hardest thing in the world. (laughs) Glory be to God. You become contagious. Your faith has to be contagious. Because when you start sharing what God is doing in your life, that is going to ignite a flame that has been lurking in someone. Now to a huge flame. And now that flame is moving here until a point where we've got a forest fire. The Bible says that Nehemiah, hallelujah, started to rebuild these walls that had taken, and I'm going to tell you something. These walls weren't just, you know, two by fours and and some stucco and whatnot. These walls were an average of 11 to 22 feet deep and an average of 18 feet high, stone by stone. So think about it. This is just not something you can put up in an afternoon with your guys and a couple of, you know, a few glasses of Gatorade. This was some hard work. Hard work. And it took some, some analysis and it took some, some, some surveying. And this man says, I'm just going to do it. I see a need. I'm going to do it. And many of you are seeing your circumstances and are thinking about, well, God, am I really equipped for that? Don't forget about being equipped. God will equip. You just got to be available. Hallelujah. And this man made himself available. And the Bible says that he began to rebuild these walls. And people like Sambalat started to ridicule him. And many of you have Sambalat whispering at your ear. Whispering at your ear telling you, you're done. You're cooked. You're done. You're out. You're struck out. You, you no longer have a purpose. Your best days are behind you. That's the lie of the pit of hell. You still have purpose. You still have use. While you are still young, while you are still, while you are still full with the power of the Holy Spirit, you have purpose. But you've got to believe that God can, that God will. And the Bible says that this man can continue to build. And he says, just come together and build with me. We're gonna do our thing and God will show up for us. And so God did. And the Bible says that Jehemiah and those that stood with him were able to rebuild a wall that took almost 11 years to build in 52 days. 52 days. If that isn't miraculous, I don't know what is. But you know what's most important? And this is just this is the crux of the story here. They rebuilt the walls with the material that was right there when they were torn down. In other words, The same stones that were burned, the same gates that were burned down with fire were the same gates they rebuilt. The same stones they rebuilt are the same ones that built that wall. And many of us are so ashamed of our past, are so ashamed of the mistakes that we've made, that we're asking God to completely eradicate and eliminate that from our past and from our minds when God wants to use that as the catalyst of where he wants you tomorrow. God wants to use the heaps and the rubble that the enemy thought you would end up being as the blessing that God wants to use for someone else tomorrow. You see, your brokenness and your despair is the testimony that will lift someone else's brokenness, hallelujah, and will strengthen somebody else. Your place of despair will be the testimony that will speak to the masses. Your, your brokenness and your, and your damage or what your perceived damage is will be that that will speak to the heart of people that truly that truly need to hear the Word of God. And you ask yourself, what purpose do you have? There's your purpose. You ask yourself, what words do I've got to speak? Just speak where you've been through and where you're going. If you're wondering where and what God will have for you, just simply be available at that moment, and God will bless you. But it's time to rebuild, oh God. It's time to rebuild today, not tomorrow, not after, not a week from now. It's time to rebuild, amen? So don't think about this just being a, a, a message for the church. I'm talking about rebuilding your homes. I'm talking about rebuilding your relationships. I'm talking about rebuilding your children's minds, hallelujah, and renewing them in the word of God. It's time to, re- to restore and renew our marriages. Many marriages are, are, are being used as the, for the, uh, uh, through the enemy to destroy ministries before they actually take off. It's time to rebuild that. If your faith is suffering this morning, think about Nehemiah and rebuild. If you're broken and hurting, think about Nehemiah and rebuild this morning. If you're thinking about where do you go from here, don't worry about it. Just pick up your word of God and strengthen yourself and with the other hand, the sword of the Spirit and be ready to go to war when the time comes. Hallelujah. But it's time to rebuild. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. When you obey... And that's my third point and final point. When you obey God, he will equip you to carry out the task at hand. Like I said, Nehemiah was a simple cupbearer. A man who was at the, bequeath, at the bequest of, of, the, of the king. He had no formal training. All he had was just the ability to pick up a cup and take it down. Any average joke can do that. And the feat that this man was able to accomplish was nothing short of amazing. The fact that he was able to organize, the fact that he was able to rally people together, speak to the hearts, (coughs) excuse me, and meet them in their moment of despair and revive their spirits was nothing short of a miracle. And you see, that's where God, that is where God is going to use you. In your, in your place of complete surrender, in your place of brokenness, in your place of 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 perceived ruin, God will use you and equip and equip you to bless you and to bless others. Hallelujah. There's there are times, hallelujah, when you have when you have lost complete hope and you have lost complete focus. But this morning God is bringing a word into your mind and into your heart to refocus you and to let you know that it's not over. That it's you're not done yet. Hallelujah. There's still a wall to put up. Hallelujah. The walls of your uh, 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 that that protect you from a spiritual standpoint have to be stronger than ever because the enemy is coming against the church with reckless abandon. And if you are not short up, if your foundation is not Jesus Christ, if your faith is not stronger than ever, if your belief is not rooted in the, in, in the immutable word of God, then you are going to fail and you're going to fail miserably. But you know what? It starts today. It starts with you believing God that God will show up and that God will do what he has promised to do in your life. It's time to rebuild, church. It's time to rebuild. And I ask you to stand up this morning. I don't know how many of you the Lord has spoken to this morning. I don't know if God has met your needs specifically or if God has done it corporately. My desire is that God has spoken and that's my belief. But if there is something that is keeping you from believing God, from trusting Him beyond anything that you can imagine, today's the day that God's going to break those chains. Today is the day that God's going to break those cords of of unbelief in your life. And God is going to set you in a path for victory. And that God is going to set you in a path, hallelujah, that only he has laid out for you. If there is something that you're struggling with that makes you wonder whether God truly can use you or will use you, I ask you to take a step of faith and come to the altar this morning. The word of God says there is renewing in his presence he meets you in your place of despair he is a need meter there is nothing God has been confronted with that he can't do in your favor if you desire to be a part of that rebuilding process come forward take that step of faith take that step of faith and believe God Believe God. Don't believe, Frank. I'm a fallible man. The word of God never fails. The word of God never fails. And you've got a word spoken into your life this morning. Believe God this morning. Let us all join hands this morning and believe that God will restore the church. God will restore our families. God will restore and rebuild our homes. God will restore and renew our marriages. God will restore and renew and rebuild hallelujah your mind that has been, has been so desperately affected by the enemy. Oh glorious God we worship you worship him this morning Sing to him this morning, let him speak to your heart. Oh glorious God, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We worship you Jesus. Hallelujah. Glorious God, hallelujah. to their hearts and to their souls, O oh Lord God. That you may gird them with your spirit, O oh Lord Jesus. They may walk faithfully and fervently, believing in all your promises, Lord Jesus. I ask you that you do it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That they may shame the enemy, hallelujah. Walking in faith, walking in authority, walking in all that you have promised them, O oh Lord Jesus. That they may not walk in the diminished light, but Lord, see all that you have promised, fulfilled not only through them, but through their children and their children's children. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for this, Lord Jesus. That you strengthen this man, Father. That you give him a new perspective, Lord Jesus. That you give him renewed vigor, Lord God, Just to walk into battle, Your Lord Jesus, in spite of his struggles, in spite of all. The enemy has tried to whisper to him, Father, that he would believe you, Lord Jesus. Do it now in the name of Jesus. I pray in this heart, Lord, that you would deposit strength, faith, and authority in Jesus, mighty Lord. I take Father God. Oh, dear God, I pray, Lord, that they do this now, Lord God. That you lift them up, Lord, like the unequal's wings, Lord Jesus. That they would realize that just like Nehemiah, Father, you will show up and show out in their favor, Lord God. I pray, Jesus, that you do it now, Lord God. Now, Lord Jesus, with the power of Your Holy Spirit. Minister to their hearts and to their minds and do it now, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that they may be living testimonies of your greatness. That doesn't matter what age they may have, Father, or what illnesses. your God, that you are greater, that you are more powerful, your God, in spite of circumstances that may give you honor and glory. In Jesus, they might pray, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah we stores, renews, and regenerates. Hallelujah.